My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? modern youth burn their retinas on blue screens and metaverse madness modern mystics burn screens and share art on clothing spreading an entirely new symbol set sigils that spark conversations with like minds connecting strangers and revealing commonality in an uncommon way in a world of cookie cutter mundanity brave souls like today's guests forge their own way Spreading the ancient art of encoding esoteric wisdom within art through his clothing brand, Forgotten Youth. Patrizio Arapea joins me, Mystic Mark, on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode with Patrizio. I don't know what's going on, but that's something that actually makes sense to me, but I'm down to subscribe to that idea and let's see where it goes. There's not enough of that anymore. I feel like no one's really open-minded in that regard. And that's a huge bridge that I, that's a huge gap I want to bridge within the brand itself, where it's just like, these are concepts or these are ideas that inspire us to create concepts that are reflective in the clothing and our brand itself. like. It opens up a discussion, and that's, at the end of the day, my goal. Whether that be through Forgotten Youth surface level, or like however deep people want to go, or through Order of the Blooming Rose.
it's been really funny because I've kind of just been in the shadows for a couple of years, just like really fine tuning how I want to present the brand in this light now. Because like I said in the past discussion on Brandon's show, like the brand's now eight, eight years in November. So it's like, it's it's been going through some, some trials, you know, which is great. I'd say my journey started when I was doing music back in the day. So when I was still living in Connecticut, I went to school at Southern. Probably until when I was 18, I started a band and then left that band and then joined a new one. It's like, I'd say why I resonate so much with your show is because I'm the black sheep of my family. And like, I come from a very traditional, like non-American household. Like my dad's straight off the boat Italian, my mom's Cuban. So it's like, there's a very rigorous foundation. That must be tough, Cuban and Italian. <laughs> it's, it's heavy. But I've had I've had Cuban friends and I've had Italian friends that are you know straight off the boat like that, and yeah, they have some pretty strict households for sure. It's crazy. <laughs> I remember fighting for my you know like I went to school for biology in, in Southern, and that was not really something that I was wanting to do. I was more so to please my parents yet I love science you know don't get me wrong but it was more so just the the framework of academia itself did not resonate with me so I was pursuing music at the time in college and all that and the band was getting pretty big it's a metal band so it's like my family's never fucking heard of metal so they're just like who is this devil worshiper like this is you know whatever it's like you got to fight for that to be like oh like this is passion this is raw like this is actual like music and energy and it's like back then i've always had like a sense of what lied beneath in all aspects and i really love to convey those topics especially like psychologically with my music so back then i was like very down in the dumps i say like heavily suicidal back in the day. And like music was a huge channeling for expression and for healing, actually. Like, you know, you just put all of your emotions on the paper and like, you can really understand who you are as an individual growing up, especially in that prime time of my life. And for so long, like pursuing music, it was fun. I got to do everything that I wanted to do. I toured for a little bit. I played Warped Tour, just like the Hartford dates a couple of years, which was dope. Amazing experiences. I got to have those under my belt. But I felt like I was not pursuing what I wanted. On top of college, like as soon as I got my degree, I was out. I did not want to pursue being a teacher anymore. Like I, I really wanted to have fun creatively. I didn't know what that was. So with music, I was pretty much the manager at the time of like that, like the peak of it, I was the manager of the band, I booked shows, I helped with touring. And it was just like Northeast, East Coast stuff. I do a lot of merch. I would do a lot of that as aspect, which then led me to Forgotten Youth. So when I graduated college, I was just like, what the hell do I do? Like, I'm not just gonna sit on my ass. Like, how am I going to actually, what are the things that are my pillars that I could stand on and be like, oh, I'm really good at this. It's like, I was really good at putting concepts together for the band, like lyrically, the album artwork, the merch designs, all that stuff, conveying a message was really important to me. And I was like, oh, like, I really love fashion. I love streetwear. I also skate and serve. So it's like, there's a whole culture embedded within that mindset that I was like, oh, like 
I could expand past music and I could treat it like a band, but like a one-man band. I just took all the things, like I was with five and four of the people, five-man band, and like, it can get a lot. You get the clashings of different minds and perspectives and trying to get everyone on the same equilibrium is pretty difficult. So I made the conscious decision. I was doing the brand for about a year, just teeter-tottering. And then one day I was just like, I'm done. Like, fuck this. Honestly, like it, it was just, it just wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And when I made the decision to pursue Forgotten Youth, it was like a gung-ho. It felt so good, man. Like it was such a creative freedom. And that was eight years ago. So now we're here and it's like, you look back, I could look back on it and be like, holy shit, I don't even understand or I don't understand. I can't really comprehend the person that I was back then compared to who I am now. Like the growth has been exponential. And I say the first six years, the brand was very much like trial and learned experiences, understanding what doesn't work. I was very surface level. It was more about the, the image the aesthetic. I was very community oriented, but at the end of the day, the more and more I took myself inwards and understood like what I really want to convey for the brand and the message, I realized that a lot of the, the structural foundation, foundational aspects of that, of the brand was pretty fickle. So I was like, how do I actually get rooted and create a longevity? Like that, it's always been my goal. I, I've always, the root of my purpose has just been how can I maintain longevity with my business? I want to be fluid and be able to change with the times, but how do I maintain consistency and create a message that can transcend just like a trend? Cause I'm not, I'm not into that as the, the more and more I dive into my spiritual practice, which has been going on since then, like music, when I was in music, I, I was really in touch with my, my emotions considering like I, I overcame those at depression stage in my life. And not many people know about that. I'm so comfortable with it now. It's been a huge aspect that I've had to face in the past couple of years. So it's like, I embrace that time. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. But yeah, like I say the biggest shift that happened for the brand was two years ago when we created this logo. So like the rose has always been the logo for the brand. And what really started irritating me internally was like, every brand, every entity has like a flower, a rose, like what's going to distinguish you from everyone else? You know, like it's, I needed something iconic, something that you can be like, you don't even have to have the name with it. You just see the logo and it's like, oh, that's like a Nike swoosh. And like, I know that it's going to take a long time to get there. However, how do I create that and be, and have that be something that's, that can get broken down to in any capacity, yet still be reflective of the whole. So like that right there is the center of the, of the rose. And I'll go into it a little bit more in, in, a, in a little bit, but like everything has a connection to the source. So I honestly happened when COVID hit the year before in 2019, that's why I started having all these thoughts and like the whole framework of the brand, the community aspect, the pillars of, it, of our culture on just the service levels has re remained very much the same for the past like four or five years. However, like honing in on what the actual idea of the brand is, has been really in the past two. So, in, or shit, it's 2022, so three years. So 
when I was deciding, I hit up Mason, my buddy I was just men- uh, mentioning to you, which is funny. We've been working together since my band days. So it's been like a 10 plus year relationship of like really allowing ourselves to bounce off of each other creatively and just be like, oh, like working freelance. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, like freelance designers or all that stuff, but like it is a pain in the ass to be freelance and working with people that may not understand the actual process of design can be quite difficult when you're working with them. So it's like there are certain aspects that maybe you want to see out of the design that are just quite not possible. So there has to be like a very specific streamline of consciousness and communication between the designer and the person who's hiring the designer to make the product. So it's like, I've learned a lot of those things by developing my relationship with them. And him and I have really committed to doing all the main branding of Forgotten Youth indefinitely, honestly, like him and I are boys, like we're very tight. And we, <laughs> we go on these creative retreats and for like a weekend, we went to the Catskills and uh, ate a bunch of mushrooms and just, it was off the grid. There was no Wi-Fi. There was a house line that didn't work. And we were just, it was pretty crazy. They, were, they The owner built like this giant rock throne. It looked like a, like a gathering space, just a stone gathering space in the yard. And we were just constantly just tripping, just communing with nature and just, be, just sitting here and just being like, whoa, like this is so cool. Like what a crazy energy. The energy was nuts there as well. But we created like the logo. Like, it, like how do you, <laughs> it was just thinking about it now is just like really cool because like in the moment you don't, you have no idea that what you're creating is, you know, still very relevant now and still will be, it's just the beginning, you know? And so we created the logo and it was kind of just like a click moment where you're just completely in tune with what you're doing. You're just like, holy shit, like this is it. And it wasn't intentional at all in regards to the, like the framework, like how everything came together, it just naturally occurred. And I didn't know anything about the storyline or like the overall message. I'll tell you before this was a thing, the previous six years, five, six years was pretty much just like, I'm happy you mentioned that tattoo artist because it was very tattoo art, art and oriented. Like I would actually hit up various tattoo artists that were specifically American traditional tattoos. And because I, I really enjoy that aesthetic, I still do. I have plenty of friends that are into tattooing. So it's like, it's cool to bring those aspects of art into the mix. But I, I realized that that was becoming more and more a trend and I needed to get away from it. Essentially, the whole goal is to create my own lane and just focus on that. And that's where we're at today. Like, I'd say once we created that, that weekend was over, I came home. Synchronicity after synchronicity, man, it was insane. Like. I didn't know what I was doing. However, like just life was showing me so many different confirmations as to where I was going was the right path. Cause it's just like you run a brand for, for so long and people are sort of expecting and understand you in a certain degree. But when I open the floodgates and we go a little deeper with everything, cause forgotten youth is always a testament to staying with your inner child and, you know, being one with your inner child and like figuring out like what really fascinated you as a kid. The esoteric did for me, like I was heavy, like I have so many books from back in the day when I was a kid, like the occult, 
big like UFOs. I used to talk to my mom and be like, I had this scar on my body. I think I was abducted one day. I was like eight years old, like saying this shit to my parents. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? He's crazy. But like, I've always been fascinated by that. And I was able to, in my mind, create and bridge a gap between what fascinated me as a child and what I would be able to create for the business now. And in regards to branding a story, I'm always fascinated by stories, heavily inspired by like Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, and how we, I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of his work, but like something that's fascinated me since I was a kid is that he actually refers back to a lot of myths and legends from our own history, like Numenor is Atlantis, the way Numenor fell back in the day. Like there's a whole mythology and chronological history to it. But the more you dig deeper into his history of Lord of the Rings, not just Lord of the Rings, of Middle Earth in general, it is very parallel to everything that I've been researching over the past years. You know, it's been crazy. So essentially where we're at now is just building off of that, that, that pantheon. You know, I, I say like once COVID hit, I really, it was like the shadow work was at a, at a max and really figuring out like, all right, what am I going to do moving forward? Like, I really need to figure all this stuff out. I'm not business savvy. And now I'm like really focusing on like, all right, time to be strategic time to really be methodical about your approach and everything. And yeah, long winded, but I can honestly go on forever. It's no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes in my head and there's a couple things that you said that we're going to connect back. I just want to point out that you and I both spent our formative years in New Haven um, Crazy. Southern specifically, we won't get into too many personal details right now, maybe after, but I do want to tell people real quick, go to forgottenyouth.co like right now while you're listening to this and check out Patrizio's work. Cause it's really brilliant stuff. And you got a great website here, brother. I mean, for, for clothing, you know, it hits you right where it needs to shows you what you're looking for right off the bat. So go up to forgottenyouth.co folks while you're listening to this but you mentioned logo so you know several times and the audience they, they love the names the name games the name magic they're always talking to me about this in the telegram and logos right i'm sure you're familiar but for those who who might not be familiar logos is is sort of like a a synonym if you will loosely for god or or a deity its original usage was a term for principle of order and knowledge and you're creating something called the order of the blooming rose is that correct yeah. so i, I feel yeah. like they're you know just inherently with what you're doing creating logos creating you know art that has a sort of third eye code to it right if your third eye is open you see the code if it's not you just think it's you know tattoo art or something right so i i'm definitely picking up what you're putting out the other thing that that stuck out is you mentioned the catskill mountains and my girlfriend tara and i we had a conversation with a woman named aurora and she is a galactic walk-in that's a whole nother conversation but between me and you we had a fantastic conversation go back and listen it 
went all over the place. One of the things she told us was that she spent some time in New York, and she said that the Catskill Mountains are a vortex. There's a vortex there, which piqued our interest because, you know, we're not that far from there. It's only a couple-hour drive. So Tara and I drove out to Woodstock, and we explored the, the Catskill Mountains, and you know, we went straight to the bookstore like we usually do, and we found this spirit in the stone book. And I've told this story a bunch, but the synchronicities just kept coming from that one moment in the Catskill Mountains. So maybe if you want to go back to that, you mentioned a stone throne and a psychedelic experience that birthed the logo that you're currently sporting on your hat. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a... A friend of mine named Michael Wan, he talks a lot about Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and the Susquehanna River. Yeah. Lancaster is the city of the Red Rose, and, I mean, the the logo is, is slightly different. It's like a five-point pentagram kind of look to it. it. Yours is more sort of like four parts. And, yeah, it just that hit me, too, because last night I was looking into the War of the Roses, which was like the the House of the Red Rose versus the House of the White Rose, House of York versus the House of Lancaster, and all that English history has been remembered in the names and the places here in the United States. But, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And then the other thing you brought up, Tolkien, I'm well aware of that, and I, I've even heard from some friends that look into the box saga that Tolkien is, you know, allegedly reading these books. I think he was educated at Cambridge or Oxford, but he's reading these like really huge ancient history tomes and taking all that info and blending it in to his story. And we've talked about this as well. Fiction is the best vehicle for truth, you know? So, I mean, all on all fronts, we can cover wherever you want to go into first, but maybe start with that Catskill Mountain experience. Was there any other synchronicities that stood out from that trip? Hmm. I mean, it was just for the first time, like, I mean, I, I've been experiencing, I've been for a few years now, well before we went up there, more so internally. And I have never really experienced it in nature to the capacity that we were at. Like we had to drive like 30, 45 minutes just to hit a cafe with some wireless, like just to like work on the graphic and like air airdrop shit. Like, so in regards to that, I mean, like it was just really connecting with nature. And as you were talking about with Tolkien, like that's the, that's the focus with forgotten youth. It's like, if you have the eye to see, you'll see what's happening. I'm not, you know, sometimes I do feel like I'm a little forward with what I do. And it may be a little, not intimidating, but more so just like, I don't understand what the fuck this guy is talking about. Like, I feel like I'm a little far away from what this is all about. So it, I, my goal is to really be more cryptic moving forward, but with the order of the blooming rose, I've been having that idea since that Catskill experience. It's like, well, okay, like if there was an ancient culture or just a culture in general that really was in tune with and the, and in balance with nature, like how, what would a culture like that be and how would they be represented? And if there was a symbol for them to be attracted to, what would that be? And I was like, okay, well, like, let's see, let's see this be an ancient symbol that people worshiped or held a high regard to. And if there was 
how do you break that down in the logo itself? So when you were talking about the logos, like that's low key, what I call it for myself, like that is the logos, that's the logos. That's the center of the point, the focal point of creation. So actually I have it saved and it's unbelievable that I should save it. So like everything that like, when I do my research, right? Oh, don't tell me you got it too, bro. Hey, my God, there we go. Hey, I love it. I love when that happens. Jeez, that's like the second time that's happened on the podcast where a guest brings up a book and I'm like, oh, I got it too. And damn, brother, we might we might have even got it from the same bookstore. Shit. Yeah, who knows, dude? That's crazy. But, but yeah, man, like another synchronicity, like when I'm just reading through this, like it's it things just constantly reveal themselves to me. So this is before I ever even like explaining the rules to you in that symbology aspect occurred well before I read this. The brilliance of the, the brilliance of celestial wisdom on earth is understood in the image of the rose. So I was just like, holy shit. Like, okay, now this is like, there's so many different layers that I can refer back to the rose, like being that aspect in this narrative of forgotten youth. And where I'm at now is like, well, I don't, necessarily feel like when you see the rose and forgotten youth it's a little like it's a little jaded honestly when you look at the name you're like okay like i get the name forgotten youth like that's sick but when i go really deep into it i feel like the name gets lost in translation when combining it with the rose so Essentially what I'm doing, and I've been thinking about this for a few months now, and, you know, I, I don't mind openly talking about it because it's, it's already in the works, but like, you know, I really like the idea of having a subculture of the brand that is strictly focused on something that really fills my cup, like the occult fills my cup doing research and just re- like, I'm a student. I'm not going to tell anyone that like what I say is fact or anything. I'm just ingesting knowledge following my intuition and seeing what works and finding the the pinpoints and the congruencies or just things that parallel with each other that like really bring the woven blanket to where it needs to be. So it's like, I'm fascinated by that trail. So with that in mind, like I would love to have the freedom of creativity and exploring those aspects through something that's not just forgotten youth because forgotten youth is like a very, it's very much a lifestyle and aesthetic you know, like I sponsor skateboarders, I sponsor surfers. Hmm. So it's like very, well, there's an, there's an exoteric meaning that you, you did just kind of describe with forgotten youth. And I'm a, I'm six foot eight. So my skateboarding career was nowhere near a Tony Hawks, even though he's apparently really tall as well. I always felt like being tall was a barrier to skateboarding, but apparently it's not. I could shred the bull. I can't do any any crazy tricks, but I could shred the bull. But I, I get it. I get the forgotten youth thing. I think that's an East Coast thing for sure. There's a certain, but the esoteric meaning that just kind of blossomed as you were describing that, and maybe you're already keen to this. Maybe I'm telling you something you already know, but what forgotten youth really speaks to me and says to me is that we as human beings have forgotten our youth. So like as a, you know, as a collective over time, when we were children on the planet, we forgot, you know, we forgot that time. We forgot Atlantis and all those 
previous civilization. So maybe you already were hinting at that and I picked up on it, but I think with, with that in mind, keep the name because it definitely sticks. 100%. Yeah. It's more <laughs> so like compartmentalizing. And I'm so mm. happy that you actually expressed that because like, it's just confirmation to what I, I've been really thinking about is like, yeah, of course, like I love, I, I fully identify with that and what Forgotten Youth represents. I feel like everything that I am putting into the funnel of Forgotten Youth may not be for Forgotten Youth. And essentially, a lot of the things that really have been inspiring me in the, over the past two years may be a little too deep for people that just want to be on the surface. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Forgotten Youth can have that exoteric message, which I, I am 100% focusing on moving forward, but with Order of the Blooming Rose, like, I feel like I could run wild when it comes to branding concepts, like it really gives me a compartmentalization of the, the actual brand itself, where it's just like, you know, the whole lifestyle, the image, the message of forgotten youth, you know, that is still available. However, if you really want to open a door and take a deep dive into what is really inspiring the brand and like all of the inner workings of, you know, the tag phrase for order of the blooming roses venture through the mind. So it's just like, if you really want to take a deep dive into those aspects, like here's a door and with an open mind, you'll be able to see things that you may not have been able to perceive previously. And with that being said, the name would be the secret society that knows the, like all the hidden knowledge and, ref and reference to the rose itself. So it's like, these are the people that really hold the knowledge of what the secrets of this symbol embodies. So it's, it's, it's exciting. I've never, I've like been, I've only talked to, uh, I've talked to Ariel, my partner and then like Mason, but that's pretty much it. But I'm like really excited about it because it's like, I could actually feel like I don't have to, I feel like I've been beating a dead horse in regards to what comes to, when it comes to creative expression and putting everything in one whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really want to be able to see that it's like, all right, this is everything that's going on with you know, the lifestyle and everything. Like we, we always go on trips and we just like shoot lookbooks and just had experiences and stuff. And it's like showcasing that aspect on the surface, the exoteric. And it's mad funny because when I was, you said that, like, we're just like writing a list and it's like forgotten you just the, the macrocosm order the blooming rose is a microcosm. Mm. So it's, it's, I'm stoked that you, that you see where I'm going, where I'm coming at. Cause it's. Yeah. It, well, and, and when we're using the word rose, I, I'm almost certain you're familiar with the Rosicrucians and people listening to this show certainly are. We've had guests on who are secretly Rosicrucians. Take your piss, you take your pick, you know, guess which one I'm not going to say, but there have been Rosicrucians on the podcast, a multiple and yeah, it says that the Brothers of the Rosy Cross are a secret society bearing this name that became known in Europe at the beginning of the 17th century. And the Rosicrucians are mysterious. I've heard many people talk about how, oh, they're just like a sort of pseudo organization. They're like a, a live action role play sort of of the 16th century. I was also listening to a very interesting guy named Robert Frederick, who I hope to have on the show eventually, about how he believes that Francis Bacon basically wrote the whole 
Rosicrucian thing as a warm-up for Freemasonry. So, you know, the Rosicrucians, I mean, full of interesting things, mystery. I mean, there's people that you wouldn't even guess who are a part of organizations and are Rosicrucians. I mean, even in the East Coast specifically, like my friend Michael Wan and I, we went to sort of a meeting, so to speak, and the gentleman there invited Mike to come to this Rosicrucian outdoor event. I'll just use those words because I don't want to, you know, infringe on anyone's privacy, but they had these strange stone pyramids. It was real weird. Mike and I like looked at their website and stuff. They have these like basically pyramids, but they're cobblestone, like the same way you'd go to like Boston or one of those older city, you know, streets in New York where it's a cobblestone street. It looks like that pretty much. It's, it's really interesting. That's sick. Yeah. So what were you saying? No, go ahead. I want to, I do want to hear your, what your thoughts are on the Rosicrucians and maybe, you know, if, if at all, if it inspired, you know, the, the choice with the Rose or, or where did that really come from? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I am very surface level when it comes to Rosicrucians. I do have a book or two about them and it's like my homie is an antique dealer. So whenever he comes across anything esoteric or like anything revolving like masonry or the Rosicrucians, because he actually gifted that to me. And it's like, Hey, like, like the blooming rose, like you would really dig this. And I was like, Oh, I know I've, I've heard about the Rosicrucians and stuff. It's mad interesting. And it's, I, it's pretty much the extent of which I'm familiar with them, but it's fat. Like what I was going to say about the, the cobblestone pyramids is that like, that's just, just fascinating. Like you, like, I feel like there are organizations that just you know, they just fly under the radar. Like most people who hear you talk about the Rosicrucians or people nowadays that are still practicing these, you know, rituals, what have you, like, they'll be like, yo, what the fuck is this? Like, I've, I've never heard of this before. Like, that's crazy. Like, it, like that's, that's, I don't, that's some fantasy shit. You know, it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, that's fascinating. And that's, and that's like, I'd say that's the level of which those mystery schools or organizations have really influenced how I perceive the brand. I'm mm. not saying that Order of the Blooming Rose is a secret, but like a mystery school, it's not. It's just, if it was in the universe or the narrative that I'm creating for the umbrella that is forgotten youth, this would be what it would, what it would represent in that, in that world. Again, mm. fantasy is like huge for me. Like even, even the history of Star Wars is fascinating like i'm not sure if you're into like the obi-wan series right now it just ended today and it was fucking incredible it was amazing mm. so it's i've gotten aerial into star wars recently and i was just like you know a lot of this stuff is based off of stuff from our own history or from our own past and it's like it may sound crazy and out there but there are aspects that george lucas and you know steven spielberg really refer back to a lot of things in our history that you would have never thought were for real. So it's like a lot of things that influence me to the core is fiction, mm. like hands down. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a podcaster that I'm associated with through Alt Media United, my podcast cooperative, who does a podcast specifically about conspiracy and all the symbolism in Star Wars. It's pretty cool. Oh, word. Yeah, you oh, definitely I'd love to check that out. I'll definitely send you a link. It's it's called Conspiracy in the Force with Conspiracy Kyle. Shout out to him. He hasn't been a guest on this show yet just because I'm sort of I'm a weirdo. I have a bunch of books. I listen to podcasts like crazy and I smoke a bunch of pot, but TV 
I gave TV up a while ago because I felt like I was becoming I was becoming a useless person in my own opinion. I mean, people would probably argue with that who who knew me, but but yeah, it just became too habitual, and and I loved like the ideas that I would think about. You know, I wasn't like a mindless TV viewer. I liked sitting there and watching things. But yeah, for for the past couple of years, I've really been disconnected from that type of meat. It really started with podcasts. And then before I got into the podcast, I was going to this place called Make Haven in New Haven. It's called a makerspace. I don't know. You might you might have been out of New Haven by the time this thing popped up, but within the fat like past five years. Yeah, they're they're pretty recent. They've they're probably about five years old now. Yeah, but it's it's basically like a and they have maker spaces all over the country. But it's it's a you know all of these different tools and machines in this one space. And I would go in there with my buddy Danny, who has his own clothing brand. Shout out to his All Inclusive is the name of his brand. And uh, yeah, he would he would show me what he was doing, and I learned how to screen print, and I really liked screen printing because you know I've always been kind of an artist, but not talented at art in my own opinion. Like, eh, I could sketch stuff, but I'm I'm just never satisfied, so I haven't put enough time into it. But I figured out how to be a sort of trickster with the Photoshop, not Photoshop, a different program. What is it? GIF image manipulator program or something like that. That that program was really cool. And I figured out how to like take a picture down to just three colors and then take those three colors and turn them into different layers and then screen print those back onto a t-shirt. And then I found out that this guy, Andy Warhol, that was basically his whole thing. Like he in innovated this like, and everybody thought it was like so cool and and then I find out that, that Andy Warhol might have been propped up by the elites. Uh-oh. Watch out. So can I tell you something real Please. quick? Please. <laughs> I've seen I've seen his uh oh man. What what like when you when you see Collection? Dead, no, no. It's his is is oh man. Why am I blanking on this right now? Is it autopsy photos? Oh wow. Yeah. Where? It was so my brother my, I was living with my brother at the time before I moved into this apartment four or five years ago. And his current roommate now, they've been friends since college. He's also an antique dealer, specifically in photography. And he happened to get this collection. It's the only, like not many, like no one has been able to see it. It's been very disclosed. And then he got the collection of his autopsy photos and it, had, it was all on a projector thing. You had like the really old school photos that you would put in and projected on the wall. I remember us like, it was so funny. I was just thinking about this the other day and I haven't thought about it in a long time. So as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, oh, I need to tell you about this. <laughs> it was uncomfortable as fuck. I'll be real with you. Did, was there anything in the autopsy that seemed weird? I mean, how did he die? I'm not familiar with how he, the circumstances of his death. Was it I mysterious? I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. I've never been an avid fan of Andy Warhol, but I did find the fact that I got to see that shit was pretty crazy yeah well and this is bound to happen brother we're making a psychic connection here it happens this is a sonic audio wave podcast and a mystic mark but yeah andy warhol is a strange cat i definitely recommend you and the listening audience check out an interview with sean peter on the higher side chats this guy sean peter wrote a book 
which seems really difficult to buy. I, his website's a mess. Somebody needs to help Sean Peter out. But it was a great interview, and he talked about like the dark side of Andy Warhol's like life and just how he was pretty much picked by the elites because he was sort of, you know, a sick individual and had a bunch of perversions that they could blackmail him for and, you know, something to that degree. But, you know, art seems to be a shady business. Even the high fashion is, is a shady business. And you're out there in, in New York City. What's that like? I mean, have you... Have you had difficulty being like an independent brand, you know, doing your own thing, paving your own way? I mean, what's what's it like out there in, in the Big Apple? The Big Apple is big. <laughs> so it, it's, I'm not in Manhattan, thankfully. I'm, I've honestly never really been a city boy. But, you know, I was born here. I grew up in Westchester and then moved to Connecticut when I was a little older. But like my family's all been out here in Westchester. My mom's from Union City across the, the Hudson. So it's like, I've been in the city my entire life and like, yeah, it's fun. The only reason why I did come out here was to pursue my brand. I feel like being in Connecticut, I don't know, being out of music and all that stuff, like I really wanted to start anew and start fresh. And my brother's been in the city since he was 17. So like we moved in together, his lease was up, my, my lease was up. And I was like, I think it's just time to really get out there like, I've grown like growing up surfing in Connecticut. It's like only being a summertime surfer. Like I would just go to Jersey and whenever I can. So it's like Rockaway is 20 minutes from me. And yeah. That sounds like a oxymoron, like a Connecticut right. surfer. It's like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court or something like Literally, that. It's, <laughs> it's unheard of, but you'd be surprised nowadays how many people are actually like, cause you know, like when I was in New Haven, I'd go to Narragansett and that was less than an hour and a half. Mm. So like with that being said, it's like moving out here has been amazing. The experiences and I'd say it was really going to co like it was like going to actual college for me. Like beautiful experiences. I got to meet a lot of different extravagant people, but it is a pace of life that is no longer serving me, like at all. You know, like it's just I'm very much a hermit. And especially with the change of pace within my life the past two, three years and just my mindset, like I'm ready to settle down. Like we're at a point in our relationship where we're ready to like really start focusing on where our home is going to be and like what we want to do with our lives. You know, like I, I, you know, forgotten you before moving to New York was all about nature and like, it still has always been, there's an aspect of nature within it still. It's just like when I was in New Haven, I used to drive to the reservoir I forget like where it was in Ansonia or something, but I would just chill there all the time. And I like, you know, it was so peaceful and I forget how much that actually served, like served me for the better, you know, like being out here, it's like, it's like, oh, I want to go eat some mushrooms and go chill on the roof. But it's like, I hear a family yelling at each other at the apartment down the street. And then I hear sirens and there's people honking and it's just like complete invasiveness of my personal space. So it's like, that's where I get at in my head. So it, it's definitely a reflection of how it is with the culture itself out here. Like, you know, high fashion is something that's completely different and, and separate from me because I just don't give a shit about any of that stuff. You know, like I feel, I feel very superficiality that comes from that mindset. And it's all about like, oh, what you're wearing? Like, oh, I went to this party. Oh, I met this person. Oh, I got a flick with this person. We're going to link up. We're going to do this. It's like, oh, I forgot about you. 
you're gonna be doing this. Like it's not, it's happened to me. It's happened to people that I know. It's just like, it's a rat race and I don't care. Like I want to live my life at the pace that I choose. And I don't want to be dictated by any external forces that will lead me to be stressful, stressed and worried about not maintaining the status quo of what people expect from me when I just want to do me, you know? So I say that's one aspect of that business. Mm. Skateboarding and surfing is a totally different story. I say like the skating community is huge in New York. Oh yeah. Huge. And it's honestly, it's more times than not more welcoming. You know, like everyone is really chill. Like that's what I love so much about skateboarding. And that's what, that's the essence that I really want to bring into that culture in general is that like, you know, don't get me wrong. There's so many brands that are doing an amazing job. However, I feel like there is a, a door that needs to be open with people that don't really know how to, I don't know, like not be so cool. You know what I'm saying? Like really let your guards down and just be weird. And just accept people for who they are. And I feel like that's a big aspect that is opening yourself up in the city. And I'm happy to be a part of that. And like, there's a lot of love. Mm. And, you know, as much as there is a lot of love, there is a lot of other bullshit. And like with surfing, it's no different. Like surfing for me is very spiritual. It's always been the thing that's grounded me. Astrologically speaking, I'm literally all water. So it's like when it comes to surfing, that's my bread and butter. Like that's literally everything for me. So the fact that I'm able to go to the beach, even though the waves suck right now, it's the summer, it's flat, you know, whenever there is a bump in the water, like I'm out and it's just so much fun. So in that regard, New York city has been such a blessing, but I, I do think within the next two years, it'll be time for us to leave, mm. which I'm so excited about. I used to be so bummed out and be like, I don't know if I want to leave. This is my home. Yeah. It's, it's a little shocking for me to hear that. Cause whenever I go to New York city, Cause I've been going there my whole life just as a, a Connecticut rat, you know, going down the, on the train and exploring from Grand Central and wherever you can make it. And then my sister moved out there. So I would drive out to her place in Brooklyn and I would just park my car on her street and explore around. But yeah, the beach and the water always seems so far away from where I was in Brooklyn. I just like could never picture myself like getting on a, a subway with a surfboard and like, you know, it just seemed yeah. out of place. But hey, I respect it, man. I, I've never been to the Rockaway Beach. My my girlfriend, actually, she's surfed there before. She's she's oh, a, yeah, she she's been out to Hawaii and surfed and all that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. Me, I've experience. Yeah, me, I've, I've only been by car. I've never taken a plane anywhere in my adulthood. So I haven't been out to Hawaii or any place exotic yet. But you definitely feel to me like someone who's going to make their way out to a nice, like, either West Coast spot or somewhere up north in the Northeast, like crunchy kind of granola. But hey, I don't want to, I don't want to judge you. But I think with the internet these days, you could really make a, a career for yourself doing what you're doing anywhere. I mean, and especially if you, if you, you know, lower your rent costs, that'll give you more room for equipment. You start printing. I don't know what your printing situation's like, but you start getting all the equipment to print it all yourself and ship it all yourself. I mean, that's a pretty decent business right there. Plus all the festivals that people have, you know, driving around road tripping, you know, that kind of thing. 
I feel like America is such a beautiful place when you get past the Hudson River. We New oh England, I mean New Englanders, New England's great. It's perfect in its own way, but it's just something like restricting about it when you're in between New York City and Boston. I'm speaking for Connecticut only. I don't want to talk shade on my brothers up north, but yeah, definitely I as a Connecticut kid, I, I definitely respect wanting to get out of the city because Connecticut feels like one expanded city, if you know what I mean. Literally. It's just something that I appreciate a lot about Long Island. Like, I'll never live on an island. It's just way too expensive. But, like, I grew up in Fairfield County, and, like, every fucking town that you go along the coast is all just city it's all city there's no tranquility there's no peacefulness like yeah you'll find your 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 pockets here and there but it's like it's like oh i'm at a long island sound beach ain't this sick you know yeah like, and being a long, I, I don't know if you've ever been on the north shore of long island dude it is a other world it is fucking gorgeous like you wouldn't think that on the opposite side there's stanford or like Darien, like Darien is beautiful, but I'm just like saying, like when you go on the coastline, you're just like, oh, whatever. But mm. there's this, there's this state park and it's called Oyster Bay. It's about like an hour north of here. And it's called Comset National Park. It's fucking beautiful. You wouldn't think you're, you're less than an hour away from the city and you're literally in a forest on the river, or not on the river, on the sound. And you're like on, it's just beautiful cliffs everywhere. And it's, you're overlooking the sound. You barely see Connecticut, which is really strange. But it's just, like, beautiful. And that's, like, the little oasis that we're able to, like, escape to. Besides, like, there's Hammonasset. Is it Hammonasset? No, not Hammonasset. Connecticut. Harriman State Park mm. in, uh, in Tuxedo Junction, New York, which is about another hour away. So it's, mm. like, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. I just really wanted to. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm state. Yeah, we could place. we could talk local stuff. I mean, only a small portion of the audience is going to get it, but we could talk about it. It's my podcast. I'll talk yeah. about it. I don't think enough podcasts are based in New England and, and New York. So, well, Dude, maybe not so New York. You were from Connecticut. <laughs> it's just like, it's a deep cut, you know, like, and there happened to be three people from Connecticut on, on that discussion. On that like, one show. Yeah, that was strange. Yeah, I had the other guy, Jeffrey Drum, who was also part of that conversation. He's He was on the podcast recently. Episode hasn't come out yet. But yeah, he's from Hard Hit in New Britain, he said. And uh, yeah, Connecticut has its its own charm, and it's, it's kind of weird. I think for the audience at large, what's interesting about Long Island Sound is it used to be a lake long 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 ago so what i found out and i don't know how true this is for every town but in my town there are certain beaches where they take sand from cape cod and they ship it down here in dump trucks and dump it on the beach because there's not supposed to be sand there it's not like a sandy beach environment it's more like a rocky marshy kind of you know swampy almost and then they had all these expensive houses built. People came in. They're like, no, these need to be beach houses. So, yeah, this side of Connecticut has a strange history. All the beaches are man-made. I mean, could you could you believe that? I mean, not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, because when you look at the actual coastline, it's a lot of estuaries. Right. Like, everything just, like, really flows into That's what it should be. 
Right, exactly. So it, it, I didn't know that about them transporting <clears throat> sand from Cape Cod. That's insane. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense because you look at these, like in Milford, like Milford is gorgeous, but like when you're on the coastline out of certain places, you're just like, oh, like this actually doesn't seem natural at all. It just seems like it's just put here. Mm. It like wasn't like thought, at, it, it just feels weird. Mm. But yeah, in Connecticut, it's like, I feel like if you're from Connecticut, then you're like one person away from knowing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Everywhere I'm at, it's for music, honestly. And that's just the only reason why I'm able to make that connection. But it's like, it. Are you familiar it, with a band called The Garden with spelled with a V instead of an A? Garden? No, but I like that name. What kind of band is it? It's kind of like alternative hard rock. It's my buddy Mikey went to middle school and high school together. And we also hung out on that Southern campus together, even though neither of us were stu Southern students. But yeah, I got a, I have a couple friends that have bands, but there were, I think we're a little younger than you. It sounds like you graduated college, like around the time I was like out of high school, right? No, I, I, gra I graduated in 2014. Okay. I graduated high school in 2012. And then I dropped out of college in 2014. So yeah, you're only a few years older than me. Yeah, we're in the same ballpark. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel like music, fashion, there's like this, it's almost like, you know, it, it's, it's like an oversaturation, but there's a, there's a good potential for talent to stand out yeah. because, you know, there are so many people who do it for the love of it. And I wonder if you think musicians, and maybe this can be applied to clothing brands as well, have the same attitude as podcasters. Because what I've noticed is that podcasters tend to be like, yeah, you have a podcast, I have a podcast, let's podcast together, you know? Whereas musicians, maybe they'll do a show together, but there's kind of a competition, you know, you're kind of competing for the chicks at the party, or maybe you're competing for the headlining gig, you know, like, wh what do you think about that? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. This is just an outsider perspective. I'd say you're very much on the right track. Cause like, that's what I admire so much about podcasting and like, or the blooming rose is also going to be that, like, that's going to be the platform for my own podcast that I want to eventually start building up and like, you know, whenever it happens, I've just, you know, I'm just, this like, is the first episode, brother. We gotta, you put this out as a swap cast, let everybody know what's good and, and shit, man. Yeah. You don't have any reason not to. I mean, you're recording this, this, like you could record this zoom meeting if you, if you wanted to, or if you were prepared to, you know, I'll send you the copy. But, but yeah, you you have all the resources to do it. And as you get better at it, you put more money into it. You get a nice mic and all that. But I've always encouraged bands to start a podcast because I'm like, A, you can take some of your songs that maybe you don't want to put on your album. You can license them as a certain license and put it in the podcast feed. And then people hear a song and then they also maybe hear like some shit that you guys record while you're on the road going between gigs or whatever, you know, like it, it just seems like they have all the right equipment to do it and it would be a good like bridge. And the same thing with the clothing brand. Like if you spoke about your story and then bridge that gap, I mean, Chris Prozer, my friend that I do the Illuminati confirm podcast with his, his clothing brand is, is called Mensa. And he's got like a, well, he's, 
his clothing brand is mysterious. He hasn't told me that much about it, but he his brand is called Mensa, and it's kind of like a play on. What's that? Is it out of Norwalk? He's from Connecticut, but no, he's in Oregon now, so it's it's probably oh, out of Portland. But cool. but yeah, Mensa Mensa is like a, you know a real organization. He's just using that name as a play on you know like a joke. You know what Mensa is, right? No. Mensa is like some club that they invite really smart people to be a part of. And Chris is not one of those guys. He's just like a creative dude who snowboards and likes just fucking making cool shit. And, and yeah, so that's the name of his brand. But yeah, that's, that's like the extent of what I've seen from that sort of thing. And I, yeah, I encourage you to do the same. I think it's a natural bridge, you know, to a bigger audience. Yeah. I feel like in, in, regards to music and bridging that I feel like personally experiencing that I I feel a everyone in the band is too like consumed individually with their own craft to really hone in on something to I mean who's to say I'm just saying it's from personal experience that like the guitarists are, are probably most focused like at, at like a touring level it's probably going to be a specific amount of like communication and understanding between everyone where you have at least one person who manages everything but it is really easy you just need the right people in the right mindset to be able to compartmentalize and be responsible with getting everything done i feel like that's a lot of bigger bands that are on record labels and stuff will have personal managers or they'll even be responsible as well to do it. Cause like, it's fun, you know, like the, like if you play, when you're in a band, like you're physically beating with people who want to support you. Like they pay to get into a venue to see you and then they'll buy your merch. Like that's a huge opportunity for connection. And I know a lot of bands do do that. And that's something that really inspired me in the band too. And to translate that into a brand as well, like, it's it's a great experience i just think it's time consuming to a mm. point that people don't understand that it could be managed and it is manageable it's mm. just a matter of like I, it it kind of seems whenever you talk to someone about a podcast they they see it being something that's like really far-fetched but yeah. unless you have like the proper understanding of like okay well i need this i need a mic i need to understand like you know recording aspects like there's a lot of tech technicalities to be aware of before you start it at least just like how I'm uh, observing it, just based on how I'd like to present everything. Yeah, but, absolutely. Well, now let's talk about what you'd want to bring to the world with the Order of the Blooming Rose. Like what topics would you want to get into? Stuff we've talked about already? Are you hoping to like dive into like researching different topics, right? I mean, you said that goes into how you influence, you know, the art and, and the design choices based on what you've been researching. Are there any topics that you've been like researching lately that you're eager to talk about that you you want to get into? Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's honestly a plethora of stuff. And like I was mentioning earlier with going on trips and shooting lookbooks, like something that I really want to incorporate is like, I want to be more, I want to travel more. Like I used to travel a lot before the pandemic hit. And then, you know, financial matters make me focus my shit elsewhere because I'm living in the city is, is no easy task, but moving forward, like something that I've been really thinking about over the past few years is wanting to travel and specifically like American megalithic sites and like places of just ancient, just, just very ancient places. And like, I know it's like, I don't have to, I don't want to have to go to Europe. I do want to go to Europe and experience those things. 
but what is something that's within reach for everyone? And that is like, you can bridge a gap instead of like, oh, like, you know, I've been just, like, I've gone to Spain, I've gone to Iceland, like we've done Colorado a few times. I've done the whole West coast and just try like doing all these road trips. So it's like, I've had these experiences, but like at a certain point, I feel like it's just like to serve a specific, just one purpose. So like, why not now moving forward with this new era of the brand? Like why not have the intention of going to all these different ancient sites and learning about these places? And I'm not saying like doing collections based off of these places, but have a whole like idea of presenting a product of quality and content, like just real something that's just not like, I want to put this logo on a t-shirt. Like there's a whole story behind it. And that's what I would like to do specifically with Order of the Blooming Rose. Like not so much with Forgotten Youth, but like I would love to incorporate within the podcast itself where it's just like, you know, I'm just like shit ball in here, just like ideas. I haven't really like thought about it like a hundred percent. I don't like how I'm going to actually do it, but ideally, like, I really want to present a, a platform where people that I admire, if I have the opportunity to bring them on and just have a conversation about what inspires me and also my friends, like people that are growing with me and alongside me, like, I think it's really important to really bring people to a point where it's like, let's hear about your stories. And a lot of these people are, are people that I've had personal experiences with include like in in correspondence to forgotten needs, like people that I've gone on trips with, like that I work with, like these are stories that have a lot of, what's the word? It's just a, a lot of love to them. So mm. it's cool to have like that platform and be like, Hey man, like you're doing your shit. Like we can talk about what we have together and like how much I admire you and whatever. And like, it's a platform to showcase what you bring to the world as well. And it's like that. And then also just incorporating the whole background behind every concept for forgotten youth as well as the order of the blooming rose. So it's, it's essentially going to be something presented by forgotten youth, not officially by forgotten youth. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just dedicated to forgotten youth. It's going to be like over encompassing. So with that being said, like, I'm really into water right now. Like everything, when it comes to the power of like the intention, like Masaru Emoto's work, it's been like, really, you got that book. Well, I do. I do have that book, but I was going to show you a different book, but go ahead. Masaru Emoto. Yes. Well, yeah, no, just like how fascinating it is that you could really, if you just focus your intent and your just your focus in general into water, like of course, like when you look at the actual structures of it, when you present it with emotions, even shapes themselves, like there's a podcast Generation Z that I, I'm a huge fan of. And he recently had someone that is strictly works with water and the structural information of water. And if she'll put Oh, I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking? I forget her name. I, I like started following her and she is is so it, it does she have a, a company called Quench? I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. Well, Dave used to do a show with me. He's he's a very busy guy, and so am I. We 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 lost track. Dave, if you're out there, get back in touch with me. No, he's in Canada. He's fighting the good fight up there. I leave him be, but I it would be nice to get back together and do another elemental philosophorum with Dave Zed. But that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, we had a we had like seven episodes. I think we did. Like I, I had one show that I did with him and then I'm like, oh, I want to do this series. We should do it together. And it was fun. 
it was definitely fun. We got to bring it back. We just need a, a real alchemist to join us because he's like a, a UFO science-y kind of guy and me. I just synthesize things. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with Dave. But I picked up this book here, The Water Wizard, by Victor Schauberger. Have you ever heard of Victor Schauberger? I have, yes. He is very interesting. He is somebody who definitely stands out and is unfortunately not as well known as he should be oh look at that you got a quote from victor schauberger on the front there read that for us yeah the true foundation of all culture is the knowledge and understanding of water so it's it's just like a postcard that i put in it's just like the sick damn photo i have a graphic (laughs) over it and then it's just something that i put in with every order so it's just like I've been wanting to slowly include like this this level of understanding, just like understanding with our reality around us for a long time now. So mm. it's it's cool. It's funny you mentioned alchemy. Like I, I've been like really into fucking alchemy mm. over the past like three four years. It's been especially in the past year. I've been really going through a heavy process of just like internal work and understanding it. It's still very much at the beginning, but like it's mm. it's you want to know something about what I'm interested in. That's, that's the biggest thing, honestly. Tell us more about that book. Who's the author? Dennis. Oh, Dennis William Hope. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but. Okay. The Emerald Tablet. It's pretty much just going through like a bunch of historical aspects of the beginnings of where the Emerald, Emerald Tablet comes from the story of Hermes and Belinus which is an, a student of his. And he talks about his own personal journey into inner alchemy and just talks about all the stages. So he kind of, he goes through the whole process of all the internal workings of going into like reaching all these different states and then breaks it down and then goes through his own internal journey in every chapter. So like he'll go through the process, he'll go about the history of this, of specific processes, and then he'll go on how to achieve those aspects. And then he goes, all right, well, this is my whole experience with this. And like, I, a lot of symbolism. I'm a very visual person when it comes to when I'm meditating, I don't really hear anything. I see a lot of things and things come in visions. So it's like how I'm able to interpret those experiences come afterwards. Like I could, I could understand them immediately, but then a couple of days later, like I'll still meditate on it. So, oh, okay. Mm. It's, it's nothing really more than just my own, just like coagulation, just like really just letting things bubble to the surface and mm. allowing that to just, it's, it's a beautiful process. And it's honestly something that like, I'm incredibly grateful for. It's, it's still very much on its way, but. Well, and that's, yeah, I think that's a big part of intuition and inspiration and, and anyone who has their, you know, own creative process, you, you definitely find, you know, these triggers, right? Me, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm so visually adept. I like to visualize, but I usually need to be prompted, need to be hearing something. But yeah. Martial arts really taught me the power of visualization and, and being able to see something in your mind and and demonstrate it, you know, with your body. 
and I'm sure art is very similar. I was struck by the cover of that book. I don't have that book. I'd like to buy that book, so I'm glad you shared it with me. Uh, not to not to brag, but I do have a lot of books, and I maybe shouldn't have as many as I do because who knows if I'll ever read them all, but it's a strange book cover. It has the words Chaos Philoloforum, which is very similar to what I said before, Elemental Philosophorum. I think that's just the anglicized word or version. And then in the center of this uh, like vessel that they have between the two figures on the cover is like a baby with a black phoenix rising out of him and another baby on a stick. And yeah, and then I guess Colum below forum is is probably the opposite of chaos but yeah wow that's a definitely one for the list i'm putting that in the amazon book list people who are interested in checking out the amazon book list can go to my website you could even buy me a book if you're kind enough you could buy a book and without even knowing my address you'll send it to me and that's a great way to donate to the show because i god knows i need more books but i'm adding this to the list patrizio and i appreciate you sharing that i'm gonna put the book list in the episode description brother but yeah man oh shoot i talked so much about this book i forgot there was something else i wanted to to bring up with you i'm sure it'll it'll come back it'll resurface but oh water we were talking about water and now i know what i wanted to say there are definitely places outside of our immediate area here new york city connecticut we're kind of in the same megalopolis is what the the proper term is there's a bunch of really strange ley line alignments that past guest peter shampoo has found so i would recommend starting there maybe get that book i recommended earlier by glenn kreisberg about the spirit in stone and all the different stone monuments that are very close by I'll send you the links no need to write it down unless you're quick with the pen but either way i I recommend Spirit in Stone and Gaia Matrix by Peter Shampoo. Uh, yeah, I've actually, I haven't read the book, but I'm familiar with the titles. Awesome. So those would be good places to start because I don't know if it's, if it's even just limited to people who are creative. I think anyone could have an experience with these energies in their own unique way. It's just, you know, about interacting with the land and that's sort of like, as exciting and as fun as it is to go to New York City when I do go there, the energy always drains me. So I give you all the credit for being able to live there. I mean, it is, I, I wonder how people do it. But there's something about being in nature, you know, that really refills your cup, as you said so eloquently before, you know, and and I think something about the East Coast has just enough of both to keep people sane. And I'm wondering, like, maybe there's there's like a balance at play in the city, like, because there's so much water flowing through New York City. I mean, you have the two rivers there. Long Island Sound kind of comes into a river and, you know, yeah, breaks. The river. Yeah, the Bronx and Brooklyn are separated by that. And, and then even like, I think it was a Bain in his book, he shows Manhattan and how it's like shaped like a, a penis and like the rest of the land around it looks like a, a womb. So there's like this idea that the reason why there's so much power, economic power at the bottom of Manhattan there is because it's like the tip of this like symbolic phallus, which, you know, and I'm sure students of history know that like the phallus and the 
you know, vagina are pretty much like what most esoteric symbols go back to. I mean, they're the OG symbols. I think I was reading some archaeologist even said that the only reason humans invented cups was because somebody wanted to create like an artificial penis and then realized that they could drink out of that vessel and then cups were invented. I don't know who came up with that theory, but it's... Yeah, but, you know, there is a power to that. I mean, look at obelisks, the great monument, right? I mean, that's what that is. And then we had a past guest talk to us about the St. Louis Ark and how that is a more of a feminine symbol. So we have those two symbols at play all across our nation. You see arcways all over the place, not just with, with you know, structures like the St. Louis. What is that? Do you know what that building is called? It's not a building. It's like a the St. Louis know. Arches, right? That's probably what it's called. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Crazy structure. Yeah. But even roads, I mean, even highways can look and feel and, and give that sort of aesthetic, you know? So I'm sure being in New York City, there's like a energy that you're tapping into. We've had past guest Brian Cotenoir tell us about the occult scene back in Brooklyn in the 70s. Do you, do you think you do particularly well because there's sort of like a esoteric metaphysical community based in, in that area? Crazy. I didn't even know about that. I no? would say that since I've been here, I'm on my seventh year on Ridge. Like I live in Ridgewood, Queens, but it, it borders Brooklyn. Okay. So it's kind of just like in the whole, it's in the heart of it all out here, which is fun. That's exactly uh, so. where my sister used to live. The Brooklyn side of Ridgewood, which is, what is it? Bushwick, right? Yeah, Bushwick. Yeah, that's where my sister was at for a year. <laughs> I'm like two. I'm. I, I could throw a rock to Bushwick. Honestly, it's mad funny. Wow, wow. So you, you, you definitely have been to the human relations bookstore and that uh, cat whatever one, Catland. Yeah, I was, gonna tell, I was actually going to see it. So like, yeah. So, so there is definitely a big community of more like-minded people and open-mindedness out here, which is awesome. I think that's something that's a huge positive. I say my partner Ariel is, is a, you know, she's a pagan and, you know, she has both, both sides of her family are, you know, there's Brujeri on one side and then there's Strega on the other side. So she's Taino Indian on the Puerto Rico from Puerto Rico. And then she's Sicilian on her mom's side and they have Strega, which is just like the witches on both sides. And it's just fascinating that like there's more people that are, you know, because a lot of like Hispanic culture, like I have family that practices Spiritismo and it's like down in Miami and it's like, it's very well knowledge out here. So it's very well accepted, which is dope. I wouldn't say that I am tapped into that. I'd say I, I go to Catlin and it's dope. It's a dope uh, bookstore, but I'm not really as embedded in the culture as most, but it's cool to see that so, okay, perfect tie. I work at a coffee shop on Thursdays and Fridays down in Bedside, and I always have, I, I mentioned the law of one last time on the Brandon's discussion, and I'm just, it's like the fourth time I'm reading this one volume, and it's just been every time that I read it, it's more and more fascinating, just to ingest the knowledge, you know, it's, it's just very cool. And I have that, and then I have the Emerald Tablet. I'll be reading the book at work. It's sometimes hard. I'm like the only person at the, at the shop. It's like a, it's a coffee shop. I'm a barista that makes sandwiches and stuff, but like interacting with everyone there, 
you can really gauge the level for a long time. When I first started working, I thought it was really weird for me to like open up like that and feel comfortable with talking to people on that level of like, oh, like the law of one is like these three people back in the eighties, like channeled this six dimensional being or into like societal com consciousness thing, like a whole societal consciousness of the sixth dimension or sixth density. I'm like explaining this to people that are interested and they're just like, oh shit, that's really cool. Like. I actually can resonate with what you're saying to a certain degree. I was like, no, like we're like on the third density. Like we're only, we're only limited to what we're able to experience right now. Like, and if that's the case, you know, there's so much more to be experienced. Like the ant doesn't know that you're there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, or it perceives you differently than we would perceive something that's bigger than us. Giants is something that I'm incredibly fascinated by. Like just the idea of it, like it's well, cool. you know about sleeping giant mountain, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that last time too. It's fucking crazy. And like, I think I've always opened up, like, I don't talk about it to most people in my life. Cause they're, like I said, like, I feel like I'm like the one that's really on the fucking fringes and I'm just now feeling more and more comfortable opening up about like, oh, like, you know, I, I do a lot of research online with giants and like, you know, alternative, alternative historical timelines. Like, you know, did you know this and that? It's like, you know, some people, like they found skeletons of people that are like 12, 15 feet tall. Where the fuck did they come from? Like, if they, like, Brian Forrester is a huge researcher that I have a, like, very fond admiration for because he's just straight shot. I, and, like, I appreciate him and his, his lectures and stuff. And he just, like, shows shit. Specifically, there was a giant skeleton in Ecuador at one of the museums that were just out for display, and he was showing the uh, the photos. I'm not sure if they were real or not, but according to him, he was saying that they're real. And just seeing, like, just pointing out subtle stuff like that to people. He's like, what, what, do, what, what do you think about this? Like, did you, like, do you think about this, like, on a daily basis? Like, there could have been, like an alternative race of humans that could have been like a, a different stature, a different you know, reality than us. Like, the, like, I feel like when people talk about the Denisovans and their structure, I feel like there's a lot of different, I'm not, I'm not really fully understanding of the Denisovans themselves, but when I'm thinking about the correlations in my mind, it's like, oh, Denisovans were huge compared to us. Like when you look at their skull, you're just like, I haven't been in a biology class in a few years, but goddamn, you can tell that that, that was a big, that was a big dude. Like compared to us, like shit. Like I think we're completely ignorant to say that we know our history, and that's what full circle moment. That's what got me out of biology. I was just like, I fucking can't stand this. Like I was in a paleontology class, and it was my junior year. It was a, it was pretty crazy, but like I was I was ready to just leave for music I, I wasn't gonna i couldn't drop out obviously like kind of make my parents proud and stuff but it's like i wanted to really pursue something else because it was just like i always questioned shit even in class i would be told i, I would be met with more aggression than open-mindedness and it really bothered me because like even back then i was like into alternative history you know archaeology archaeology is fascinating like i think the fact that there are so many anomalies with substantial evidence to back a claim or just a hypothesis in general, like we should be able to observe it and be like, oh, 
that's something that's out on the table now. Like, I don't know what's going on, but that's something that actually makes sense to me, but I'm down to subscribe to that idea and let's see where it goes. There's not enough of that anymore. I feel like no one's really open-minded in that regard. And that's a huge bridge that I, that's a huge gap I want to bridge within brand itself, where it's just like, these are concepts or these are ideas that inspire us to create concepts that are reflected in the clothing and our brand itself. Like it opens up a discussion and that's at the end of the day, my goal, whether that be through forgotten youth surface level or like however deep people want to go or through order of the blooming rooms, whenever that starts, you know, like it, it's, I'm, I'm allowing myself the opportunity to pick and choose where I want to give this energy instead of being like, oh, everything's down one funnel. And it's like, some things don't stick, some things don't hit. And I'm okay with that now. And it's totally chill. Like I'll be like, all right, now I have a whole new outlet that I could funnel this. It could be like a streamline of consciousness. So I really got to worry about so many things, too many hands in the pot. Like this is just like, it's kind of like my baby. Mm. I'm really hyped. Yeah, man. And I'm excited for you, man. Take this interview, take the one that you were on with the expanding reality and keep that momentum going. I mean, why not record something this week, this month? I mean, shit, do get going now. You know, I'll even offer my advice if you need any, any tips, anywhere to, you know, what direction to go in with programs, download, you know, what do you need to download? But Dude, I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank I think, so much, no, no problem, man. I think that's such an interesting topic. We need more people diving into it. And I didn't realize that you were, you were in the paleontology course at Southern. Did you research anything about like the dinosaur bones that they say they find in North Haven, Connecticut? Did you guys talk about that a lot? I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Cause Not, I can't remember specifics, but that was definitely a topic. Yeah, because Peter Shampoo, I forget exactly what he said, but he put he put something together in PDF form and, and put it on his website recently, and it talked about like a dragon being found in the in North Haven. So like you know they call it a dinosaur. Peter Shampoo says it's a dragon, which you know I, I I'm taking that angle over dinosaur because dinosaurs seem kind of fake what do you think after learning from you know Southern's not like a huge institution but what was your take on paleontology after after learning from them oh my the moment you realize that every every presentation like presentation of a dinosaur is completely fucking false right like all the models are just made out of plaster models, like <laughs> everything's made out of plaster like it's just these are the bones are actually stored away. So like these aren't actually the real bones and all it's, it, it's, but it's crazy. But at the end of the day, like what really shifted it for me was just like, oh, they all have feathers. Like everyone is seen as like every dinosaur is, you know, there are a few give and take, like give or take, but like no one can imagine a T-Rex with feathers. Like I feel like our, our imagination, like that's another thing is that like mainstream media, I feel like everyone attaches our history to how it's interpreted through movies and TV shows. It's like, you know, sometimes I've caught myself throughout the, like the, the years being like, oh, like, oh, like, it was just like this because I watched this show. Like, it was like a Viking show. You're like, oh, like life was like this, like whatever. It's like people forget about what they learned in school because it was so long ago and they attach their, their understanding of 
history through what they see on Netflix or like on HBO or some shit. You know what I'm saying? I feel like people are so devoid of culture that they don't even understand like the true correlation to reality that mm. they should have. Well, yeah, that's the American social engineering machine, man. They give us all these movies and redefine our concepts of reality. I mean, Jurassic Park did it right there. And there were movies before that, The Land Before Time, you know, the... I'm sure Disney had some kind of dinosaur thing, the Flintstones, of course. But uh, yeah, for sure, it's been driven and drilled into us. I mean, I'm not particularly a flat earther. I stay agnostic on that because I pretty much don't care. But it seems like they've poked holes in the space theory enough to where I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, maybe we've never been to space. I definitely think space is real, but dinosaurs are definitely fake. I mean, I know flat earthers talk about dinosaurs being fake, but let me clear this up for the listening audience. That is not a flat earther born topic. The, The dinosaur critics have been rare but loud over the centuries and they predate the flat earthers by a long time so yeah i think dinosaurs definitely need to be re-examined i don't know if a day will ever come when that happens but i i think there's a paradigm that they establish with the dinosaur narrative that goes in with this charles darwin you know survival of the fittest killer be killed we're born out of a primordial hell and it's all by happenstance and crazy chance that we learned how to think and and then we came up with this idea of god i mean i'm not a creationist in the sense that i'm gonna go and bible thump you but i'm definitely not like a (laughs) evolutionist either you know so i think dinosaurs there's really something at the heart of that topic that humanity really hasn't even gotten to the the bottom of yet, especially when you consider, you know, that there are dinosaur depictions in Angkor Wat. I mean, what is that? I mean, I'm kind of going back on everything I just said, but if you put that into light, it's like, well, shit, where the hell did they hear about this? And maybe if there are some dinosaurs, what if they're actually like dragons, you know, like, like what we see in all the folk legends and stuff. I mean, that to me seems like it makes more sense than what we're told by general, like, you know, this sort of BBC science, you know, it's not quite science. It's like BBC science, you know, it's like, it's a way of putting it. Yeah. That's a discovery channel, maybe history channel, that kind of thing. But either way, brother, this has been a fascinating conversation, man. I appreciate you joining me. And I want to give you a chance to to tell the listeners where they can go. I mean, ForgottenYouth.co is the place. Sure. But are there any social media spots? Do you have like a YouTube, anything that we're leaving out that you want people to know about? Or should they just go to the site to see everything? Yeah, everything's on the site. I mean, if you just Google Forgotten Youth, it's, it'll be the first thing. It'll be on the site, Instagram, boom, you have the YouTube. And then, yeah, pretty much. I mean, YouTube is just like a collection of skate videos and stuff from people that are a part of the family. So it's it's fun stuff. We've just been, it, it's been a little quiet, but a lot of things are building up, which is really exciting. Like I, I've been really fucking around with photography and stuff. So I really want to pursue that more with all the homies. So moving forward, there'll be a lot more exciting stuff on that front. But then also Order of the Blooming Rose. I don't know when stuff is going to happen. Things are going to happen as they do. This is really a, a huge fire up under my ass to 
commit to it. So I appreciate you. So I can do that. Platform to do that. <laughs> Don't let that scare you away, but yeah, definitely yeah, keep uh, in touch. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll keep that fire burning if you let me, but uh, yeah, I hope you do, man. Cause this was a fun conversation and you definitely have, you know, a multifaceted creative side to, you know, it's like, you're not just making art for the sake of art. You're infusing these really deep concepts into your art. And I think that's what makes art great is when you see into you look, you're able to see through the art into the artist's mind and what they brought to the table. So kudos to you, man. It's really awesome to see that. And obviously the synchronicity is a little shocking because we have kind of tread similar paths in a way you know <laughs> definitely yeah, crazy might have bumped into each other in, in in the past who knows but either way man it's been great and i definitely hope everybody listening enjoys the moment wherever they are in the now before your very eyes politicians are advancing the global plan once you learn their secret language, you too will have the all-seeing eye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking with us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, episode 189. We are almost at 200, and I couldn't do it without you lovely folks supporting the podcast, supporting me on my venture to Lancaster County. Big, big, big thank you to everyone who was kind enough to donate uh, via Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, uh, etc. Some people uh, supported with Buy Me a Coffee. Some people supported patreon subscriptions and rockfin tips so it was really awesome to see the support and yeah we made the most of it we spent four days in lancaster county with michael wan himself uh, meeting some of the characters who reside down there and we recorded two podcasts another podcast is yet to be recorded a recap of the trip that should be ensuing tomorrow or the next day so yeah that's what's going on folks but hey the drive for support is not finished we need to keep this show on the road and we can't do it without you so help us out not only do you get early access to every episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast but you get bonus episodes that you cannot get anywhere else that's right bonus episodes we have over 200 posts at this point so go and check it out we got plenty of stuff for people to receive and interact with on the patreon we also have the scene coming out soon so be sure to Stay on the lookout for that. Spirit animal names are on the way. I promise I will make up for last month. And of course, we're going to do another Patreon meetup real soon. So, but that's it for this episode, folks. Go check out ForgottenYouth.co. Trezio's making some really cool stuff there. And of course, be on the lookout. The Order of the Blooming Rose coming to a podcast player near you. Maybe hit him up on Instagram and encourage him to get that started sooner than later i think 
you know people uh, often underestimate what a undertaking starting a podcast can be they think oh it's so easy i'm just gonna get in there i'm gonna record a hundred podcasts in a month and everyone's gonna love me good luck doing a podcast takes authenticity it takes heart it takes determination and it also takes some experience and wisdom and even a message right which me maybe i'm short on that given i'm only 27 years old but i think i'm wise well beyond my years i've been told that many more times than i've ever claimed that and that's important too so hey folks if you're out there and you're listening and you want to hear patrizio start a podcast encourage him if you're out there and maybe you want to start your own podcast i encourage you uh but yeah stick with it and uh set your expectations high don't be disappointed when you come up short because you got to keep going keep on moving and stick with it it's something that takes time it wasn't till the first year that we reached a level of downloads where i was like wow this is pretty cool and now more than a year later we've not only uh doubled that amount but we've actually uh i think 75 percent like 75 times the amount of downloads that we had a year ago uh, crazy exponential growth thanks to everyone tuning in and of course thanks to all the really cool interesting guests that we get to talk to here on the show and new episodes coming up are gonna be fire isaac weissop returning back to the show yogi zorananda returning back to the show danny katz making a debut on the show and i'll give this one up a guy from thailand hmm interesting wonder what who that'll be anyways folks thank you so much for being here thank you for tuning in to this episode and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now i think i'm fucking peeking right now wait i'm peeking through the curtain cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit Certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, my third eye's open and my chakras flowing. All seven channels in my spirit's flowing. Knowledge feeling deeper than the ocean. It's the eightfold path and the sacred lotus. Uh, I'm peeking, flipping through Akashic records. My ego's decomposing like a leper. I'm Edgar Casey going some levitation. So with zero hesitation as I jump into the spaceship. I'm weary from faking like an earthling. While skyfish dip and dive above the earth circling. I'm spiraling, sacred geometry. Studying my old selves like it's anthropology. Honestly, feeling like life's a comedy. As big a game as a paper run economy. I've been playing safe, but safest for the weak or hard way. I'm peeking, tearing everything apart. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. Nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain. Hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain. 
nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm beta testing old theta frequencies. I lay to rest the ego and the frequent themes that keep me seeing life inside a box. Small minds kick rocks, Pandora, let's talk. Uh. I might need a suture for this rift in space I might stay and see how Lucifer's fruit tastes I'm hungry for knowledge and hungry for infinite And every time I'm peeking I can see it for an instant I'm peeking through the curtain at the crowd Sheeps in their seats and the wolves on the prowl Zeitgeist, spirit form, walking through the aisles Consumerism living in their vacant smiles uh, Now I'm peeking through the curtain at the sky I ain't even gotta try, gaining wisdom on the fly Touching base with things I can't explain Gods without names on a different plane Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain Cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit uh, I'm peeking through the curtain Nothing is for certain but I feel it like a purpose Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain Hardly feeling like a person but the vibes are perfect uh, I'm peeking through the curtain Nothing is for certain but I feel it like a purpose Wait I'm peeking through the curtain, cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain, hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh, I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait. wait, wait.